welcome to the Museum of Femininity, a podcast where I, Charlotte Appleyard, discuss random topics of interest that relate to social history, art and material culture through a female lens. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Museum of Femininity. My name is Charlotte Appleyard and today I will be sharing with you an episode all about the life of an artist and photographer called Dora Maar. Dora Maar is perhaps best known culturally for her relationship with Pablo Picasso and for being the subject of one of his most famous series of paintings. They also had quite a volatile relationship and it has sort of become the stuff of art history legend. And in this episode, although we will of course be discussing the drama, I mostly hope to teach you or share something about this remarkably interesting, fiery, passionate woman, about her life, her art, what drove her, and just trying to capture her essence rather than just dwelling on her tempestuous love life. And it's very interesting how this feels like a bit of a common theme and something that very commonly happens to women in the past who were with famous artists but also had their own very rich creative lives. So let's begin and I hope you enjoy. Dora Maar was born Henrietta Theodora Markovitch in 1907 in Paris. She would go on to become a photographer and artist who was also closely associated with the surrealist art movement. She is perhaps most recognised today for being the dark-haired and beautiful muse and lover of Pablo Picasso, whose own innovative career as an artist overshadowed Mars' creative output. In more recent years, art historians have re-examined female artists who are now getting the recognition they always deserved. For example, a few years ago, there was a major retrospective of Mars' work at Tate in London, highlighting how there is a welcomed renewed interest in artists like her, who have previously been relegated to the role of muse and tragic heroine in the melodramatic love life of a powerful and notorious male artist. I hope you enjoy my examination of Mars' life and work, which will touch on her personal life, but hopefully will remain focused on her story alone. Dora Maar grew up with a French mother and a Croatian father, and spent her childhood in Buenos Aires, where her father worked as an architect. Here he found some success and received many commissions, including designing the Austro-Hungary embassy. This also led to him receiving an honour from Franz Joseph. Despite this, he unfortunately did not make a great deal of money while here. Ma, when reflecting on her childhood as an adult, remembered it as a lonely time. She was often engrossed in books written in English and would spend time fine-tuning her language skills. She was fluent in French and Spanish. Ma was naturally left-handed, but her parents and teachers forced her to use her right hand when eating and writing. 
Nevertheless, she painted and drew with her left hand. The family returned to Paris in 1926, where Mars studied art at the Union Centrale des Arts Decoratives, the École Photographie and the Académie Julienne. In the 1930s, she decided to pursue a career in photography and set up a shared studio with set designer Pierre Kafer, becoming one of the first women to do this. It was during this time she adopted her professional name Dora Maar and became swept up in the avant-garde café culture. This was an exciting period in art history, with lots of innovative and new ideas bubbling up to the surface. In the 1930s, her network of friends and colleagues expanded. Mar befriended the likes of photographer Brazé and Emmanuel Suget, and embarked on a career in fashion and advertising, which we will momentarily discuss. She also started to photograph street scenes and even served as a still photographer on the set of one of Jean Renoir's films in 1936. Ma was a charismatic and attractive person who drew a great deal of attention. With her dramatic personal style, it was said her lighting a cigarette could be a theatrical event and the beauty of her hands was often remarked upon as well as her beautiful voice. Her dramatic persona also filtered into her political beliefs. She was a firm anti-fascist and joined many organisations. She was often prone to stormy outbursts, bringing to mind the image of a woman with a fiery and passionate personality, with strong opinions she was not afraid to express. Ma became closely associated with the surrealist artists, including André Breton and Paul Eluard. The group would meet daily at the Café du Dôme and the Place Blanche, and in addition to Ma, there were other women closely associated with the group, including Gala Dali and Nouche Eluard. Women who were in relationships with male members of the group, but also created art and were often valued for their intellect and imagination, and not just their artistic output. The Surrealists did have an interesting perspective on the role of women, and often romanticised them. André Breton, in particular, mythologised women, and depicted them in a muse's role. In 1937, he opened a gallery on the Rue de Seine, which was called Gradiva. Displayed above its glass doors, designed by Marcel Duchamp, was the silhouette of a man and woman. Above was the name Gradiva, along with the name of several other women, including Dora Maar. I find the relationship between the women in the Surrealist movement and the men fascinating, how in many ways they assumed this role, often dressing eccentrically, like walking embodiments of surrealist paintings. They were liberated and filled with creativity and self-expression. Dora Maar contributed photographs to surrealist exhibitions and also photographed members of the group. Perhaps influenced by their aesthetic, she adopted a dreamlike style and some absurdist imagery which was closely in line with characteristics of the Surrealists. 
Some of her photographs were quite dark in tone, displaying ambiguous and disturbing juxtapositions. For instance, Portrait of Ubu shows a monstrous close-up image of an armadillo fetus, which would end up becoming an icon of the movement. I think this photograph is quite visually arresting because it has a fuzzy, dreamlike quality, and there are many similarities to draw between this image and the image of a real human baby. In the curling of its body and the way its claws are softly touching its face, like a baby might. I'm sure aspects of the picture, like this, may have created an unsettled feeling for some. Ma also had great success in commercial photography and was able to embrace this in addition to her more artistic endeavours. This was a time period where there was a boom in advertising and a change in magazines, where editors were looking more to photography than the traditional illustrations. Some of her projects included health and beauty images depicting the new woman. These included shampoo adverts showing a woman washing her sculpted tresses. Another interesting example of her work that also echoes some surrealist imagery was a 1935 anti-aging ad called The Years Lie in Wait for You, portraying her friend Noosh Eluard posing with a spider's web and hanging spiders imposed over her dreamlike features. It seems in this decade the language of advertising did not quite exist and there was more freedom to be playful and creative. The photomontage technique caused Ma to take on an experimental approach to her work. She created staged images and darkroom experiments. Her artistic goal was to create an uncanny atmosphere and fantastical visuals, bringing together contrasting images that evoked the unconscious mind. She stood out from other photomontage creators of this time as she did not use photographs taken from illustrated newspapers or magazines, instead compiling photographs she had taken herself, including street and landscape photography, creating defining images that captured her style and work as an artist. One of my favourite photos from this time is Untitled, sometimes called Handshell, made in 1934, depicting a woman's hand with painted nails emerging from a shell on the beach. A stormy sky behind is breaking with some sunlight coming through. I think a lot of her work can be interpreted in different ways. Perhaps this is conveying a woman breaking free from her oppression. Either way, it is a strange and magical image that is surprisingly realistic and must have been quite stunning for those looking at us in the 30s. Ma was attracted to the mundane everyday, which inspired her street photography, which we have touched on briefly. Like many surrealist women, she was very anti-establishment and would often walk around the outskirts of London, Paris and Barcelona with a handheld camera, which was incredibly rare for the time. She captured subjects including butchers, blind street peddlers and pearly queens in London, producing some of the earliest images to fall into this genre of photography. I think a really nice example of this is Man Looking Inside a Sidewalk Inspection Door in London in 1935, 
which shows a man on his knees straining and twisting as he looks into a square hole in the pavement. There is another man in a suit walking behind him. I think this image is quite strange and surreal. It's the sort of thing you would stop and take note of it if you saw it in the street. Yet the reality of what's happening is quite mundane. I think it shows that she had an interesting point of view which made the ordinary visually striking. Dora Maar was introduced to Pablo Picasso in 1935 on a movie set and the following year engineered a meeting with him. She sat at a small table in the Café de Du Magos, knowing this was where Picasso frequented. While sat there, she played a game where she stabbed a small knife between her fingers. Picasso watched her nearby as she occasionally nicked her skin with the tip of the knife, causing small drops of blood to bloom on her lacy black gloves. This behaviour captivated Picasso, he was probably also intrigued by the way she was acting and the fact she sought him out, which would have stroked his ego considerably. Before long, they began a tempestuous love affair in 1936. Ma photographed Picasso often, including an iconic picture of him creating his epic work, Guernica. In addition, Picasso would paint Ma on numerous occasions between 1937 and 1944, immortalising her in his work. Some of these paintings included Dora Maar Seated in 1937, Weeping Women in 1937, Weeping Women in a Red Hat, also in 1937, Women Seated in a Garden in 1938, and Dora Maar in an Armchair in 1939. In the late 30s, she also painted Picasso in a Cubist style. She was depicted as spiky and lively, filled and overflowing with emotion. It is interesting that she is often shown as upset and in turmoil and disturbing, and it is disturbing that this is Picasso's overarching image of Ma as someone who is often weeping. Ma and Picasso's relationship was dysfunctional, but was also creatively fulfilling. As mentioned, Ma photographed Picasso's groundbreaking painting Guernica in 1937, capturing the painting as it progressed. She was also the model for The Woman with the Lamp. Picasso's other mistress, Marie-Thérèse Walter, featured in the painting too, as the model for three figures. This series represented the last of Ma's more traditional photographs as Picasso persuaded her to pursue painting, believing this to be the superior medium, showing a controlling approach to his relationship, as well as a gross snobbery towards other art forms. The story of Dora Ma's affair with Picasso also overlaps with Marie Therese's, who was just a teenager when she met the much older Picasso. At this time, she had had his baby, who Picasso adored, but his interest in Marie Therese seemed to be waning slightly. He was drawn to Ma, who was quite different from Marie Therese, and although both were beautiful, he liked Ma's intelligence and also the fact he could communicate with her in Spanish. Picasso was untroubled by the complicated arrangement of having two mistresses. It fed his narcissism, and also inspired him artistically. He enjoyed painting both of the women in 
the same pose, comparing the differences in their physiques. Ma was dark and Marie-Thérèse was very fair. His paintings of Marie-Thérèse were undulating and soft, whereas Ma was harsh and vivid. There is a legendary story with Marie-Thérèse confronting Ma and demanding she leaves Picasso alone. The man between them showed no concern for their unhappiness. Dora Ma and Picasso's relationship deteriorated, along with her mental health. This was not helped by the death of her best friend, Eluard, as well, which was an enormous blow. Everything seemed to culminate when Picasso started another affair with a young 21-year-old woman called Francois Guillot. What followed was Ma being sent to St Anne's Hospital for electroshock treatment. Her care was later taken over by Jacques Lacan, the neo-Freudian psychiatrist. Ma found comfort in religion and became a fervent Roman Catholic after experimenting with other faiths, including the occult and Buddhism. When asked about it later, Lacan said, quote, I had to stabilise her. She needed something to crystallise upon. It came to a choice between the confessional and the straitjacket, end quote. Dora Ma became a recluse, but her mental health did seem to improve. She continued to regain her confidence and paint, concentrating on still lives and landscapes in an abstract style, producing a large body of work. One example is La Grande Range, painted in 1958, and like with many of her landscapes, it shows a wide open space with undulating rolling hills painted in earthy tones. Like with her photography, there is also emphasis on atmosphere and creating a certain vibe in the landscape. They're very dreamlike and otherworldly, almost like being on another planet. During these years, Dora Ma divided her time between Paris and the house in Menerbes that Picasso had purchased for her in 1944. Although her work slowed down, she did feature in many group solo exhibitions during the 40s and 50s. Eventually, the house in Minerva's would become her full-time residence until her death. During this period, she did not socialise much, and people only really saw her when she went to church services. Ma continued to express herself creatively in the 80s, and made a return to photography, and experimented in the darkroom, creating hundreds of photograms, which were images made without a camera by placing objects directly onto the surface of a light-sensitive material, such as photographic paper, and then exposing it to light. This included such works as Untitled from 1980, which basically it's this like black line that's kind of moving in this very erratic way, and it's quite kinetic and expressive obviously very abstract but you know quite an interesting image to look at and it definitely conveys a sort of punchy angry emotion so she was still experimenting and wanting to create new things and explore new methods there was a final exhibition of her work before her death 
which was held in 1990 at the 1900-200 gallery in Paris and included her photographs and paintings. A large exhibition followed in Spain in 1995. At this time, she closely followed the auction results for Picasso's work and indeed lived off of the sales of the ones in her own possession at the end of her life. When she was asked why she kept them for so long, she said, quote, I'll tell you why, because they're mine. On the walls of a gallery, maybe they're worth only half a million. On the walls of Picasso's mistress, they're worth a premium, the premium of history, end quote. So that is a fascinating perspective that very much reflects this idea of objects having a rich past and history and the more fascinating their provenance the more worthy they are of being valued at a higher price it's like the idea of Picasso drawing on a napkin and suddenly this napkin becomes worth a fortune so I think that's really interesting that she's also inserting herself into Picasso's own history as a valued part of that that adds richness to the objects in her possession that Picasso painted. So I think that's a really interesting point of view. So Dora Maar passed away in 1997. She kept and treasured everything Picasso had given her, no matter how trivial. Some of these items were quite bizarre, including stuff like scraps of newspaper, uh, and a piece of paper he had drawn on, which was also smeared with some of his blood. So apparently there was bleeding from the spike of this kind of torturous ring he had made for Mar after their separation, which is very sort of distressing and further emphasises the toxicity of their union. And the contents of her home in Paris were also auctioned off. This included her own works and some remaining art by Picasso. This amounted to tens of millions of dollars that was given to distant relatives as she never married or had children. In conclusion, I have really enjoyed learning about Dora Maar's life and art. Her photographs were mesmerising and incredibly memorable and ingeniously constructed, often evoking humour but also an unsettling quality. I also love her creativity in her fashion photography and her independence as a career woman innovating in new artistic mediums. To me she seemed very intense and interesting, the sort of woman who had strong beliefs and a bright spirit which intrigued those around her. I think women of the early 20th century were hugely inspiring and as Ma depicted in her own photography were indicative of the new woman who was much more fulfilled and less restricted to traditional gender roles. Although of course such patriarchal structures still existed. I think from what I have observed Pablo Picasso was a bit of a dark looming shadow in her life but obviously she was a free-thinking woman who chose to be in this relationship and there seemed to be a huge deal of fireworks between them that were toxic but at the same time quite stimulating. I don't want to patronise her or paint her as a victim 
but on the whole he seemed like this cruel egotistical man who loved to lure women in with his charm and genius and toy with their hearts like they were playthings before discarding them when he got tired or found a new pretty thing to latch onto, leaving his lovers mentally broken and lost. I think Picasso had a tremendous impact on Ma's life and she seemed to struggle for a time to pick herself back up. However, I believe she showed remarkable resilience and continued on forging the life for herself she wanted. I'm so happy that she is emerging from Picasso's shadow and people are divorcing her from the slightly grotesque, brittle paintings of her he created. And she is now able to stand alone with her own identity, with a fascinating and also influential array of paintings and photographs, which will always have a firm place in the history of art. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will be posting lots of photos and pictures on Instagram. So you can follow me at the Museum of Femininity. And there will be sources in the show notes as well. If you have any thoughts about this episode, please reach out. Let me know any feedback. Um, it's always nice to hear from people. And I hope to, to see you again in April. So until then, hope you have a lovely day and goodbye.